Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, children, and welcome to season two, episode seven of the On My Dime On Your Time podcast. This episode is featuring Dee Silky. She's a Toronto-based fashion designer, and she's also the host of the Dose of Dee podcast, which you can watch on Apple Podcasts. Super chill conversation. We talk a lot about the, the current landscape of fashion in Toronto, and it was really interesting, interesting to get a designer's perspective on the whole scene. She taught me a lot about the way the government is around like fashion designers and how they're not as well supported as say film creators or other artists are at least in Toronto. She also gave me some tips on how to grow the podcast which was crazy because I didn't even tell her I was going to ask her that question so thank you Dee, shouts out to you. Also check out the links that are in my bio for all of Dee's stuff because she's actually quite frankly she's killing it on TikTok, she's doing great on Instagram and yeah, her, she's coming out with an outerwear line as well, which I'm personally very excited for. If you want to see more episodes like this, give the episodes a download on Spotify and drop me a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps me out a ton. Follow me on Instagram at onmydimeonyourtimepodcast. And that's basically it. Enjoy the episode. All right. So how did you initially get interested in fashion? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, I never imagined that I would grow up to be a fashion designer. I was never a kid that liked clothes or liked shopping. And I went to school, I went to the New Brunswick College of Craft and Design for surface design, which basically means you learn how to create um, the patterns and the artwork that go on any surface. That could be a shower curtain, a tissue box, fabric. Um, Obviously, I kind of went into the fabric side of things. And as I created more and more custom made fabric, um, I just became more interested in fashion and I just naturally got immersed in this world. Awesome. Uh, who are some of your in- inspirations in the industry? Like maybe some brands that you look to for inspiration, maybe like some artists, maybe like some music. I'm not sure like what your design process is, but like just some inspirations that you have. I try not to look too much at other designers. Um, I get more of my inspiration from people and from influencers, not, you know, Instagram influencers, but someone like Dave Chappelle is a huge inspiration to me. I find that he's got, obviously he's funny. He's a stand-up comedian, but he's also like so intelligent and thoughtful. And I love how those two things intersect. Um, another one, which is like kind of cliche is Banksy. I just love Banksy's work and that same like thoughtfulness behind his work and so when I'm creating fashion I want my coats to not only be you know something that you wear but a wearable piece of art and I want that art to have a message and to have something thoughtful behind it so uh, for those of you who have maybe seen the money coat at first glance it's kind of like whoa holy can we swear on your podcast yeah go ahead yeah holy shit like a coat with 2000 cash like what is this girl thinking and especially in today's climate it might come off as a little bit tone deaf but when you know about the money coat and you understand the meaning behind it and all the layers then you kind of realize like wow this is a really thoughtful piece and it's actually made to raise awareness for Canadian fashion designers who are struggling absolutely yeah, so you got into fashion in kind of like an interesting way. Like I've spoken to a bunch of other designers like across the U.S. and stuff, and they're all like, "Okay, cool. I've loved clothes for all my life. My parents got me interested in clothes and stuff." So, like, how did when did you know you wanted to become a fashion designer? Like, what was that sort of like? 
Well, I'm originally from the East Coast of Canada and there's so many amazing creatives there. But in terms of the fashion scene, um, we don't really have that much of an industry. We have, a, we do have a lot of fashion designers or not a lot, but we have fashion designers in New Brunswick, but a lot of them do like custom work mm. and it's really hard um, to go into production there. There's just not a lot of people that do like pattern grading, for example, there's no manufacturers there. It's actually one of the biggest reasons why uh, uh, my husband and I moved to Toronto. Um, but in around 2015, I collaborated with a local fashion designer. Uh, her name's Adrienne Goodine. And I did all the fabric, she did all the sewing. And that like really got the creative juices flowing and really gave me like the fashion design itch. Awesome. Uh, what are your thoughts on like, the current fashion scene in Toronto then? Because it must have been a bit of like, a bit of like a paradigm shift from growing up in the East Coast. Um... What do I think about the fashion scene in Toronto? I think that, I think it's really unfortunate that we're so divided. I mean, I think we had so many different things going on, trying to, trying to put Canadian fashion on the map, but because there were so many different pockets of the industry trying to do that. And we had uh, Tom over here, and then we had Toronto Fashion Week over here, and we have this networking group and that working net networking group like because we were all divided we weren't able to like unify and really really create something powerful together and I think that's one of the reasons why we don't have fashion weeks anymore um, obviously we still have some great shows we have uh, fashion art Toronto we have startup fashion week but we don't have you know Toronto fashion week and I think part of that also is like I don't know, Toronto has this sort of like weird complex, like we're trying to be New York or something. And I think we just need to own who we are and we need to be proud of who we are. And instead of trying to be something else, we need to be ourselves. Um, I had another thought to add on to that, but I kind of lost my, my, train, of, my train of thought there. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we need to just be like more kind of unified as an industry. Mm -hmm. With that being said, like, what are some of the changes that you'd like to see? Um, definitely the changes that I would love to see. And this is kind of like bad timing because the government has done so much for Canadians. I mean, they've poured billions of dollars into CERB, for example, but there is actually, and, and your viewers, your listeners might not know this, but there's actually government funding that's allocated to arts and culture. So there's a, a pool of money that the government has set aside and said, we are going to give this to artists. Um, and what's interesting is that video gamers are eligible for that money. Podcasters are eligible for that money. Filmmakers are eligible for that money but not fashion designers. Mm. And I don't know if that's because fashion is not considered art, um, but it's extremely, extremely frustrating. And so when you're a newer emerging artist or designer like myself, you know, quite often we can get enough skin in the game to be able to raise enough capital to put together a collection, which, you know, as you probably know, costs thousands and thousands of dollars. And that's on top of somehow bringing in enough income to pay your rent, to pay your groceries, to pay for either a car or even your monthly TTC bill. Um, but when you finish the collection, oftentimes new and emerging designers don't have the capital needed to really promote their stuff. So one silver lining that I've seen come out of the pandemic um, is that a lot of Canadians really do want to support 
Canadians and they do want to buy local and they do want to wear clothing that's made in Canada, but they don't know where to start. They don't know how to find these people. They don't even know who exists. And that's because people like myself, we don't have um, any capital left over after we've created the clothing to properly market it. And so when we're competing against fast fashion brands that have million dollar budgets just for advertising, it's like we are getting drowned out. in advertising and SEO and everything. And so really people like myself, we really have to grassroots it. We really have to bootstrap. We're relying heavily on social media because it is a free tool. And on the one hand, that's like so liberating and amazing that we live in a time where we have that as a tool where other generations didn't. But on the other hand, it's very scary to rely so much um, on a third party. So yeah, like I have a huge following on TikTok TikTok, but what if my what if what if TikTok goes away tomorrow? Do you know what I mean? Um, and so to to rely so heavily on social media, it's both a blessing and a curse. And then you know you you're obviously trying to uh, to build up your email list and to do other things as a backup plan in case God forbid anything happens to your social channels. But it's extremely challenging. I'm not sure if that answered your question or not. Well, that, that answers it pretty well, actually. Um, yeah, it's interesting because like during the pandemic, I got like. I became a lot more, I started the podcast and I got connected with a bunch of brands and I'm, I actually, I started producing another podcast for a Montreal based blog as well. And I, they kind of opened my eyes to like Canadian brands and stuff. And it's interesting that you said like that it's, it's very difficult to start a brand. I guess that, I guess that's where like on Instagram, at least I see a lot of brands like that are starting and there's kind of like just basic stuff. It's like screen printed t-shirts, but I guess that's just kind of like in the time that we're in right now, you don't really have like the money to like make an amazing collection. So I guess it does stifle your creativity in a sense. It's what's but, feasible. Like, I yeah. mean, <laughs> I think a lot of people that start off doing a t-shirt brand, their goal is to not always be a t-shirt brand. They want to evolve into cut and sew, mm-hmm. but you, you have to start somewhere. And uh, unfortunately, like t-shirt brand screen printing and stuff, it's it's pretty affordable compared to cut and sew. Um, and so I think that like again if if Canadians had access to some of to if Canadian fashion designers had access to some of that um, arts and culture funding it would be really cool to see what happens in this industry and in this space and you know I look at the film industry in Canada and like our mayor uh, John Tory he's a huge advocate of the arts and he really really fought for our film industry. And he was like flying to LA and having meetings with Netflix. And he's a big reason why um, Netflix actually pledged to invest. I think it was, I forget if it was 7 million or $17 million um, Mm. to Canadian creation, but we basically got, you know, a huge contract with Netflix. um, And a big part of that was John Tory. And, and we've seen like how that has helped us. I mean, Canadians have gotten so much work and so many job opportunities to be able to work on these Netflix shows. There's so many things being filmed in Canada. You know, we have Handmaid's Tale, um, we have Working Moms, we have, um, oh geez, like so, so much lock and key. And if we were to have that support in the Canadian industry, and if we had somebody really fighting for us in in politics and really trying to get us some contracts and and pumping some money into the industry, I truly believe that we would be able to um, 
you know, bring jobs to the economy tenfold. Like if you're going to invest, let's just say for easy math, a million dollars in Canadian fashion, like I'm confident that Canadian fashion could turn that around and the ROI would be tenfold. Definitely. We have a lot of like good brands starting up, eh? Like it, it's like, I, again, like I recently opened my eyes to a bunch of Canadian brands and it's just, it's insane the amount of like quality work that's coming out of like Toronto, Montreal, BC, out West. And it's, it's just insane. Like I had no idea about this like six months ago. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, when I launched the money coat, um, I was actually interviewed by another podcast, um, that's run by a fashion PR company. And one of the things that fashion PR suggested to me was that I do a survey, uh, surveying Canadian designers. So just so I could say, you know, having your money wrapped up in inventory is a Canadian wide problem. It's a fashion industry problem. It's not just a D silky problem. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we sent out a survey to over 150 different Canadian Canadian designers and and brands. I didn't even know that there were 150 Canadian designers, but I was pleasantly surprised. And I guarantee you that there's a heck of a lot more out there that I didn't know about and didn't get the survey to. Um, So it is, it's crazy. Like when you start looking, the amount of talent that we have in this country is insane. And you mentioned Toronto and you mentioned Montreal and Vancouver. Those are the obvious ones. And I think the designers from those places get a lot more of the attention and they get the spotlight. Um, but coming from the East Coast myself, I do know that there's some amazing talent there as well. Even like photographers there, like oh, yeah, crazy, yeah. crazy fashion designers um, or fashion photographers there who are like struggling because there's there's no work for fashion photography on the East Coast. But the collabs that they're doing are like sick and Atlantic Fashion Week as well. I mean, they've had a fashion week for 10, 15 years and I've, I participated in it twice and it is like it is no joke. I mean, um, they do a really, really great job. Absolutely. Um, at the risk of sounding like a broken record here, how about you give me like a two minute, three minute, however long you feel necessary. Like give me like an elevator pitch about the money coat. Yeah, sure. Um, so basically in 2017, I design, I like, I've done everything. Okay. Isa. like I have done everything from loungewear to prom dresses to like latex pants like I have done it all and when I first started my brand um, I launched something called the kindness boxers which were unisex silk cotton boxers they say instead be kind on them it was like a reminder to be kind to yourself and to those around you when you wear them and at the time I was living out east there was no manufacturing so I had to go to China to have them made and the, the MOQ, the minimum order quantity was 600 units. So I ordered 600 pairs of these boxers, all the same print. I had no customers lined up and I sold about half of the inventory, like right off the bat so fast. I was like, oh yes, this is amazing. I found my thing. And then sales stopped. I tapped out my following on social media. I tapped out my network and I tried to sell them. Like I would do pop-up shops. I would do fashion shows. I would do everything, which by the way, a lot of that costs money. So again, that's like more costs on top of me making the boxers. Um, and I just couldn't sell them. I also contacted a big box store. I won't say who to ask if they wanted to wholesale them. Um, but of course fast fashion. So they wanted to retail them for less than what I had paid for them. And I just, I was like, no, I think I I, like, these are good. Like there's something there. I don't want to give these away for free. Um, 
but having said that three years later, I was still holding on to like 300 pairs of boxers. And I was like, this is insane. If I could just sell these boxers, I would have, you know, a few grand that I could put into another collection that I could do something great with. And so I was like really frustrated with having so much money wrapped up in inventory. And at the same time, I was doing a lot of business development and thinking like, okay, what does, what problem does my fashion brand solve? Because in order to have a thriving business, your business has to solve a problem. And I was like, well, I mean, obviously I'm clothing people, but aside, besides that, like, what's the problem I'm trying to solve? So naturally I started thinking about winter coats, you know, Canadians need a winter coat. We're all freezing in the winter time and we wear a coat for like at least five months of the year. So like at the same time I was frustrated with inventory, I'm like starting to think about winter coats and then it kind of like popped and I was like, oh my word, I should do a coat stuffed with cash to show people what it's like to have their money wrapped up in inventory, literally. And so what I did was, um, I mean, I'm really active on social media, TikTok, Instagram, and I post on Instagram stories every single day of the year. So all my followers had like seen the struggles that I'd been going to. They'd seen me go to pop-up shops. They saw me dragging around these boxers all over the place, trying to sell them. And I told them this problem that I was having. And I said, you know, if you guys donate $30 or more, I'll give you a piece of my old inventory. And within like four days, I raised $4,200. It was crazy. And this was during the pandemic. Um, and so I, I moved a lot of inventory, raised the money um, so that it's other people's money in the inventory so they can experience that same feeling that myself and other designers feel, just having our own money in inventory um, and created this like super epic piece of wearable art. Um, and I'm hoping that I'm hoping that the money coat ends up in a museum because I, I do want to like really nail home the fact that fashion is art um, and and also give people who donated the opportunity to see the coat in person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting. That's kind of, like I hate to say this, but that's kind of where I like I, I heard about you as well, like from like the from like your most popular thing. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. Yeah. Though. I really enjoy it. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Like the response that the money coat has gotten has been absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, it's made national news. It has the series of creating the coat on TikTok has over 7 million views. Um, but it does make me think like, what about all the other fashion designers that, that aren't putting $2,000 in the coat? Like, how are they going to get picked up by the media? Like, how are they going to go viral? You know, and it, it kind of sucks that you have to do, like as Seth Godin says, you have to do something remarkable to get people to talk and to get it to spread. And I think the money coat is pretty remarkable. Um, but it, it, it makes me feel like, not bad for other designers, but like my heart goes out to them because I know how hard it is. And some people don't want to create conceptual pieces of art. They just want to make like good quality, durable clothing that's going to last you. And, and that's going to be in style 10 years down the road. So to me, it's, I'm so grateful for all the press that the money code's gotten, but I am just aware of like how lucky I am. And, and I hope that we can feature other Canadian designers as well. Absolutely. Who are some of your favorite like, Canadian designers? I just want to learn more about like the fashion scene here. Yeah. Um, okay. There's one designer who I really, really admire. I don't know if I would personally wear a lot of her clothing. It's just not like my style, my personal style. 
but her clothing is epic. And like, if it's your style, like if you have the guts to rock it, like you will rock it. Um, and that would be Dorian who, um, she's Toronto based. Um, I'm trying to like, I mean, I could list off a ton. I mean, another designer who I really like is a menswear designer, Rowan James. And I wish Rowan would come out with a woman's line because I would wear it for sure. But he's a menswear designer. Um, it's really like personal opinion. If you're looking for street, if you're looking for sustainable, if you want something minimal, um, it's, it's all a matter of preference. And I think like if you're looking for a resource that has a catalog of hundreds of different Canadian designers, if you go to like a Instagram page, like CAFA Canadian arts and fashion awards or inland, that's a great Rolodex of all of the designers that this country has to offer. I will put those in the description for anybody else who wants to check that out. Cause I think that's going to be a really valuable resource. Yeah. Um, dipping a little bit away from fashion here, how has the pandemic like affected you personally? I mean, before the pandemic, I was running around the city and going to all these like, like really fancy fashion events and fashion shows and it was so fun and it was great for social media because people love to see it um but it was exhausting mm -hmm. and like it, it to an extent it's good for networking but then it gets to a point where you're just seeing the same people yeah. at every event so it's like you're not really networking anymore and i would say six months to a year before the pandemic, I had kind of started to take a step back from, from the scene um, because I was just realizing like, I wasn't really getting anywhere with it. And having like a break from that has been really, really good. Um, you, it takes away from if you're not an event and you see it on social media, that FOMO feeling like now I can rest assured that we're all just being at, stuck at home being lazy so that's kind of good but at the same time I do I miss going out like I've now had enough of a break that I can't wait to go to the next event I can't wait to go to the next fashion show um I think when I look back on like how I spent you know the first almost a year now in lockdown in a pandemic I'm really proud of myself because I I accomplished a lot <laughs> and I definitely took it as an opportunity to like put the blinders on, put your head down, get to work. I didn't use it as an excuse. Obviously there were times that the pandemic did interfere with like fabric sourcing and going and having in-person meetings, of course, but where there's a will, there's a way. And uh, I think like getting everybody else's voice out of my head and just like focusing on what I wanted has been really, really good for me. Amazing. What are like maybe three or four of the practices that you've employed to like keep productivity up during the pandemic? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so one of the things that I did this year was I wrote down on a piece of paper and it's like posted on the wall, um, my top five goals that I have for 2021. And then I write uh, beside that piece of paper, I have another piece of paper and every single week I have to do one thing towards almost all of those goals. If I can do one thing for each of the five goals, that's great. If it's only three, then that's okay. Um, so we're on like the sixth week now. And I've already like, just looking back, I can see, wow, like I'm actually making progress towards it. And I, for me, I'm a visual learner, so I have to see it. 
uh, because it's easy for me to kind of chip away at things here and there and feel like I haven't done anything at all because my work process is like, I can't sit down at a computer for eight hours straight. I have to be like up and moving around and taking little breaks here and there and just kind of like picking away at things seven days a week all throughout the day. Um, so to have all of it in front of me to just look back on and, be, and to make sure I'm keeping on track has been really, really good. Awesome. Um, do you, are you like big into like New Year's resolutions and all that sort of thing or not, not so much? Uh, yeah, I, I, I would say so. I'm becoming more and more goal oriented the older I get. Okay. If you feel comfortable, can you share like maybe a couple of those like resolutions that you've set and like maybe a couple of the practices that you employ to make sure that you'll reach those goals. If yeah. you feel comfortable sharing. I mean, this is like, I feel very vulnerable sharing what these are because I'm like, oh no, like what if I don't reach them that that's going to be so embarrassing. But I think that uh, this is good because you got to claim it. <laughs> Absolutely. Accountability. Uh, okay. So I want to sell the money coat. That's a huge goal of mm -hmm. mine. Um, I do have a dollar amount in mind, but I won't share it. Yeah. Uh, and I also want to give uh, a huge percent. Originally, I was thinking 10%, but now I'm thinking 50% of the coat to like a nonprofit or another designer that's in need. Um, I want to create a ready to wear collection, which is what I'm currently working on. So I, I already have like the concept for that to start off. I'm thinking just one coat, but in three different colorways. And I'm going to do like a Kickstarter campaign. So right now I'm building out that email list, collecting different emails so that um, once I have like my sample done, I can put together a video for a Kickstarter and then send that out to the email list. And then I'm hoping to sell 500 coats. Um, and that would be whatever 500 divided by three is. What's that? I'm not good at math. 100 and no, 230, 100 and whoa. 150, 130? 166? Yeah, that sounds right. We'll just yeah. go with that. Sure. <laughs> um, so like whatever that is for each color. Um, and then so so sell the money coat, create a ready to wear line and sell 500 coats. I would like to get a million followers on TikTok. <laughs> Hopefully be verified on TikTok. Um, get one of my coats on one of the Real Housewives. I'm obsessed with Real Housewives. Um, and then also get on reality tv amazing <laughs> that's awesome. like a goal of mine i would love to be on a reality tv show absolutely awesome what are your um, goals Lisa? what are my goals uh suck less at school uh learn to play chess read a book a week ish that's a lot yeah so like yeah a book a week ish so if it takes like three weeks it's fine as long as i'm like constantly reading something doing some reading something every day what else do you feel like you have to actually read a book or does like listening to a book count oh, i have to read a book i have to read a book okay, I, have, so I have like a pile of books here i have to like flip through the pages and do all that stuff yeah yeah oh what else i want to meditate every day because like i did that in the summer of 2020 and I just fell off the wagon in like the fall for whatever reason I want to get back on that and it's I've been doing that since 2020 since like December so it's that's been good oh grow the podcast grow my Instagram just for fun get involved in another business which I'm like working on right now behind the scenes 
and yeah that's that's pretty much it i don't know i, I set goals kind of like monthly i'm like okay cool i want to do this thing by this date and yeah. I'm like, sure let's do that oh that's that's pretty much all the questions i have actually um awesome um thank you so much for taking the time Ega. once again i really appreciate it uh yeah give you the can i like uh, sorry go ahead what part no, go ahead. I was gonna say, can I just do like a little like call to action? I was I was just about to, yeah. I was gonna I was gonna I was just gonna give you the floor. You can plug anything you want, everything, go ahead. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. Thank you so much, Isa. Um, yeah, so if anybody is interested in uh, the collection in G-Silky Outerwear, DSO, I am creating a ready-to-wear line. And the purpose of my line is like, I want to be Canada's next huge outerwear brand. I want to be a household name, um, just like Canada Goose, um, Macage. Um, and so basically what I'm creating, the gap that I feel that there is in the market is like when you walk downtown Toronto or you go to the grocery store or you're on the TTC, if you look around for the most part, not everybody, but for the most part, Canadians are wearing a different variation of two different coats, either a puffer jacket or like a parka with like the fur trim on the hood. And I want to create a coat that is just as warm, just as functional, but that is unique, that stands out, that can kind of bring some joy into the winter. We're not all just walking around in this like black or navy uniform. So if you are interested in standing out with your clothing next winter, you can go to the link in my Instagram or TikTok bio, and that link will basically um, take you just to fill in your email. I promise I do not spam. I hate creating emails, so you will not be getting a ton of emails from me, uh, but basically your name will get put on a list so that when I do launch the Kickstarter campaign or I have product news or updates, you will be the first to know uh, because I do wanna create something different and unique and have clothing that makes people stand out. The coats will be made in a limited edition run. Um, so once they're gone, they're gone. So if you're interested and you want to check it out and you want first dibs on the Ready to Wear collection, make sure you head to um, my Instagram or my TikTok, click the link in the bio, fill out your email, and you will be getting exclusive updates on all things DSO. Amazing. And all those links are going to be in the show notes of the podcast. Oh, well. Awesome. Thank you, Isa. Amazing. Uh...